Chapter Seven of A Soldier of the Legion by George Mannington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven, Part One: The Last Struggles of a Rebellion, Departure of Captain Plessier, Our New Commander, Man Hunting, A Friend in Need, A False Alarm, An Unexpected Rise in Life, On the Brigade Staff the remnants of the rebel forces which had been smashed and dispersed by colonel giles column in the lower yente fled north and rallied round their chief dead tom who was hiding together with a small number of his most trusted retainers in one of the wildest spots in the dense forest region of the northwest of nanam and about ten miles from that fort this district is known to the natives by the name of quinlo at this time owing to the large number of rebels we had slain or captured or who had surrendered during the past two months the total number of insurgents with de tam did not exceed two hundred efforts had been made by the provincial mandarins to secure the chieftain's submission the french government preferring if possible to adopt a policy of conciliation rather than run the risks and be burdened with the heavy expense resulting from a protracted struggle with such a brave resourceful and mobile foe authorized the native functionaries to offer the leader of the insurrection not only his life and liberty but also a remunerative post in the local administration on the condition that he would come in with his men and deliver up his arms and ammunition these negotiations fell through however for de tam refused all offers made to him and wrote several letters to the french authorities in which he informed them in his usual high-flown bombastic style that he would never surrender and that he still possessed the utmost confidence in the ultimate success of the cause he represented notwithstanding these assertions it is very probable that he would gladly have accepted the terms offered had he been certain of enjoying a quiet and comfortable life after his capitulation but he was too well versed in the natural cunning of his race not to know full well that in the event of his surrender his very existence would be a cause of constant dread to his former associates the mandarins of the court of Hui and they would most certainly find a way of ensuring his silence by means both wily and rapid in the use of which orientals are experts from papers captured by the french troops when they surprised the encampment at quinlow a few weeks later it was learnt that the chief had decided on the construction of a new series of defensive positions in this region with the intention of carrying on the rebellion with something like its former success his desires in this respect were however doomed to disappointment for such was the constant activity of the troops occupying the different parts in the upper yente that no rest or respite were allowed him or his men when the main expedition had been broken up at the end of march general voyon had given orders for the permanent occupation of the fortified positions at motrang and mona luang these two forts which had both been captured from the enemy by the tai nguyen column were well constructed and they required but little labor 
mainly in the direction of felling the trees that were too close up to the ramparts to make them almost impregnable when properly garrisoned for several months after the conclusion of the principal operations the troops from these two forts together with the men from nha nam and bo ha chased de tam from one hiding-place to another and in consequence he was never able to establish any permanent centre of resistance early in may my section was relieved by a similar detachment of the legion from tai nguyen and we left bo ha for good this time and returned to our company at nha nam on the tenth of the same month we were assembled under arms to witness the departure of captain plessier who was leaving for haiphong whence he sailed for france a few days later our new commander captain watrin took over the company and escorted his predecessor as far as cao tuong though the officer who was leaving us had always been a severe disciplinarian unsparing in regard to the work he had required of us yet his departure was a cause of chagrin to his legionaries and their rough though heartfelt expressions of regret were numerous and outspoken none of the officers are allowed to remain more than three consecutive years in tonkin though they can return there after a sojourn with their regiment in algeria our captain had completed his period of colonial service so that he could not have remained longer with us even had he desired so to do officers of his stamp that is men whose bravery is undisputed who are severe but also anxious for the welfare of the troops under their orders will always be popular with the legionaries his successor eventually became an even greater favorite with the company for besides the qualities mentioned already he had a real affection for his men though when the occasion required it he tempered this sentiment with necessary sternness he regarded his command as a family of which he was proud to be the head and made no show of the taciturn aloofness which had characterized his predecessor captain watrin who was about thirty-eight years of age was a splendid specimen of humanity for he was tall broad-shouldered and extremely powerful fair with blue eyes and a ruddy complexion he was a typical son of the lost provinces and the fact of his being a native of a village near strasbourg added not a little to his popularity with the numerous alsatians in the company he seemed to take a real pleasure in making himself acquainted with the individual joys and sorrows of his men whenever the chance offered itself he would question us discreetly concerning our private hopes and ambitions and do his best to prove to his subordinates that he was to them not only a chief inflexible as far as questions of discipline were concerned but also a friend to whom they could confide their troubles ever ready with a word of consolation or advice and all the aid it lay in his power to render his inquiries were probably distasteful to such of the men as possessed a past they did not care to recall but when he perceived that a private was reluctant to confide in him he was too tactful to insist on the subject and would smooth matters over by a cheerful et bien mon brave when you want a confessor come to me i may perhaps be able to help you a few weeks after his arrival he was able to address every private in his company by name a trait which is exceedingly rare with the officers in the french army 
there is no doubt that the men were very grateful to him for this detail which certainly proved that their chief was aware the legionary was not merely an enfant perdu to be known only by the number stamped on each article of his kit but that he recognized that his men like the rest of mankind possessed their just share of pride and passion vice and virtue he very soon showed us that his military talents were of sterling quality for in his first engagements with the enemy it was at once evident that his dispositions for the attack were taken with great coolness and forethought and with the careful intention of avoiding all wanton loss of life during the final rush and scrimmage he was ever to the fore and would not be denied the place of honour at the head of the assault which he led with no other weapon than a thick stick our company was kept continually on the move during the months of may and june reconnaissance and ambuscades being of daily occurrence often we would make a night march and operating in conjunction with parties sent out from the other forts rush at dawn a village in which several of the rebels had passed the night or capture an encampment situated in some out-of-the-way corner of the forest or hidden in a narrow jungle-covered defile between tall steep hills our ambuscades were generally placed on the paths leading to the south by which supplies coming from the few isolated villages still friendly to the rebel cause reached the enemy these expeditions always took place at night for our foes no longer possessed the strength and confidence which had allowed them to move about the country by day as they had been in the habit of doing before the downfall of their citadels to the majority of us the excitement of these little expeditions was a source of real joy notwithstanding the dose of fever or twinge of rheumatism that sometimes resulted we enjoyed the silent stealthy march through the dark the long wait hidden in rank jungle with anxious eyes peering through the gloom our fingers on the trigger all listening intently to the thousand soft noises of the night every nerve would be strained to its utmost tension every faculty keenly on the alert the rustle of the long grass as a deer or wild hog moved cautiously through it the breaking of a twig the hoot of an owl or even the sudden shrill chirp of the cicala would make the heart leap with expectation so that its hurried throb sent the blood coursing through the arteries and the system would tingle again under a wave of suppressed excitement more often than not our expectation would be disappointed for the enemy failed to put in an appearance though now and again our patience would be rewarded by a scrimmage and a convoy would be captured and several rebels slain or taken once our ambuscade was surrounded and suddenly rushed by a strong band of most determined chinese banditti of whose presence in the region we were unaware it is probable that they were going south with a convoy of contraband opium a desperate hand-to-hand -hand struggle took place in the dark one of our men was killed in the first charge and several were wounded one of the latter a bugler died of his injuries a few days later it is difficult to surmise what would have been the result of the combat had not another detachment of our men which had been posted at a small ford about half a mile away 
come to our assistance for we were completely surrounded and owing to the blackness of the night we could hardly distinguish our foes who were cunning enough not to make use of their rifles attacking us instead at close quarters with their heavy swords on finding themselves charged in the rear the celestials withdrew and at daybreak we found six of their dead on or near the position all these had been slain by the bayonet for there had been but little firing on our side since owing to the danger of shooting our friends it had been found necessary to keep to steel though our adventure lasted only a few minutes i think those of us who escaped unhurt from the malay were passing thankful when it was over for never was it better proved that if in warfare an ambuscade can cause great hurt to an enemy who comes upon it unawares that same ambuscade is in danger of total destruction should the enemy be forewarned of its presence at this time thanks to the experience they had acquired during the past year and a half and also to their having been employed during the past three months in continually chasing the enemy from place to place through the wildest country it is possible to imagine the men of my company had become splendid jungle fighters each of them was by now not only a hardened almost fever-proof soldier but also a good shot and an efficient scout ever on the alert to notice each sign by the way to catch each sound in the air and understand their meaning a footprint a broken twig a tiny streak of smoke creeping up from between the trees to the sky the dull thud of the distant axe as it hit the wood and the hundred and one other trifling indications of the passage of man in the tangle of forest-covered hills were at once seized upon and put to profit conversant with the enemy's methods of fighting in the dark glades and sombre thickets of his favourite haunts the legionaries and their officers had learnt to trust no longer to the paths but to advance silently yet swiftly through the undergrowth taking advantage of every bit of cover and making of each tree in the wood each rise in the ground a temporary rampart encouraged by their officers the men took great delight in this new sport which seemed more like a hunt in which the quarry was man than regular warfare the fact of their not being continually in touch with their officers and non-coms and having consequently to depend sometimes on their own resources developed their individual initiative and self-reliance whilst the novelty of the situation gave full scope to their courage and love of adventure perhaps with troops possessing less stamina and morale even these short periods of independent action would have been dangerous but with these well-disciplined and seasoned soldiers of the legion this new method of attack seemed rather to increase the zeal and self-confidence of the men the following statement drawn up by a rebel deserter the written translation of which still exists most probably in the records at the headquarters of the second brigade will give some idea of how hard pressed were datam and his faithful few by our troops at this period 
the favorite wife of our old chief dadnam was heavy with child when the fire from the big guns and the approach of your infantry at such great numbers obliged us to evacuate our positions notwithstanding her condition she accompanied de tam and his lieutenants de truat and de huay into the great forest at quinlo here she gave birth to a male child posthumous son of our former leader this was on the second day of the fifth month may twenty sixth at this time there were but few men with de tam for the majority of our troops had been scattered all over the country and many had gone south to their villages thus we were but sixty men armed with rifles and with us were seven women and two little ones we had plenty to eat for we drew rice from the secret hiding-places in the forest where great store of this food had been placed many months before by the wise orders of our own lord who was dead but the white soldiers left us no peace and each day they pressed us so hard that we dared not sleep two nights in the same place at last we found a cave to reach which we had to descend a passage leading straight down into the earth in this district are to be found numerous workings of former iron mines which were abandoned several centuries ago and are now overgrown with jungle it is probably to one of these that the deserter made allusion we had been in hiding in this place for several days when a party of soldiers who had followed the tracks of one of our men who had been sent out to fetch water nearly discovered our retreat these soldiers hunted for us until sundown and remained all the night in the forest so that knowing this and fearing lest the cries of the young child should betray us de tam ordered us to dig a hole and in it de nam's son was buried alive when the mother was told of what had befallen her babe for it had been taken from her while she was sleeping and she knew not where it had gone she was stricken with much sorrow and went away from us weeping and complaining into the forest where she slew herself in the agony of her grief on the morrow when the troops had moved off a little we succeeded in getting away further into the jungle the ninth june nineteen o two i happened to be with a scouting party and came upon the body of the dead woman it was still warm and a native knife embedded right up to the hilt had pierced the heart like the rest of my comrades i imagined at the time that this unfortunate creature had been murdered by the rebels and it was only several weeks later when assisting at the examination of the deserter mentioned above that i learned what had really happened on my return to Nanam in may i had been glad to renew relations with my friend doy to and whenever i found time to do so i passed my evening in his kanya and seated beside him as he smoked talked over the situation he was always very well informed on all that was going on though he most certainly owed much of his knowledge to his former enemy but now devoted friend lin yi who since the termination of the main operations had been nominated to the important post of lu tuong headman of the village of long tuong and in return for the services he had rendered to the authorities important stretches of cultivated land formerly owned by some of the rebels had been made over to him 
it was from tho that i learned of the lasting impression which the rapid capture of all de tam's fortifications had produced upon the population of the yen Thé. the majority of the people he said were no longer moved to enthusiasm by this chief's appeal to their patriotism and they now possessed no confidence in the ultimate success of the movement in favour of their exiled monarch however my friend was never weary of repeating that until the french succeeded in killing or capturing de tam the chief would be a source of constant trouble in the region because most of the peasants possessed such a real dread of him that but few of the villages would dare to refuse his demands for money or rice so long as he remained an outlaw and had at his disposal a band of cruel and determined partisans though i think that tho was glad of my company it was evident to me that he was chagrined at my continued refusal to become a votary of the soothing drug which like the majority of his compatriots he regarded as one of the necessities of existence his disgust at my persistence was all the more intense because it was an open secret that several of the french officers and sergeants serving in the native regiments smoked opium and took but little pains to conceal the fact he would give me as examples the names of his superiors who indulged in the pleasure procured by the subtle poison hoping to induce me to follow their example though curiously enough he would generally conclude his exhortations with quaint reflections full of irony concerning the excess to which most of the europeans who indulged in this passion would go and he would then in grandiloquent terms replete with oriental conceit inform me that he was himself complete master of his own desires he would swell with pride and delight when to humour him i would praise his powers of self-control though for the matter of that i was convinced the length of his purse and the veto of ba his wife had more to do with the number of pipes he smoked than any check he was himself capable of imposing on his cravings he would speak at length on this subject bringing out his words with a slow drawling sing-song cadence in which there was no indication of emotion though now and again when he had given an opinion he considered was possessed of more than ordinary value he would pause somewhat longer than necessary watching me intently the while to see if i had fully grasped the sense of his argument and appreciated the beauty of his flowery metaphor yes friend he would say tell me i beg you has not heaven given to us men the different pleasures of life so that we shall draw from them delight wherewith to lighten our troubles and to forget our hardships indeed you do know since i myself told it to you that our wise men have long since decided that these numerous and varied pleasures can be classified according to their merits which consist in the degree of bliss they can procure us each of these emotions finds its proper place in its proper section which last is itself one of the seven joys even as a soldier has his appointed position in one of the four battalions of his regiment 
the ancients represented the seven joys by as many bats because like our pleasures these animals flit around us in eccentric curves though it requires but a little patience and a light blow to bring them to our feet that is why in our pagodas our houses and upon the altars to our ancestors you will always see sculptured or painted the seven bats which are the seven joys heaven has sent us a thousand flowers of which the most beautiful is the sacred lotus so that we should admire their colours and shape glory in their scent and draw great joy therefrom also the splendour of our hills our forests and our rivers the beauty of our women the love of our little ones the pleasures of the chase and the gladness in the slaughter of our foes are only a few of the million joys in life amongst which Antufyun, lord opium is not the least in importance and these blessings have been generously accorded us by the lord buddha himself and any refusal to participate in them is indeed rank blasphemy but be warned that in all things there must be moderation and because of our friendship i would not see you do like the Hai, lieutenant i have already spoken of for if his orderly speaks not lies this young man smokes one hundred and twenty pipes each day which is a great foolishness indeed for in this way his pleasure is no longer his servant to come and go at his bidding but rather he has become the slave of his pleasure neither is his case an exception for nearly all you western foreigners are alike in this matter and ever you go to the extremes either you will not touch the drug most probably because you are afraid of yourselves or if you once begin you will increase each day the number of pipes you smoke until your pleasure kills you instead of remaining content with a moderate use of it in speaking thus to was but echoing the opinion of his compatriots for the inhabitants of indo-china like the chinese are convinced of their superiority so far as intelligence is concerned over the european partly from curiosity and also because i was determined to show this little brown man that i possessed more self-restraint than he gave me credit for i consented one evening to make the experiment and smoked four pipes i was rewarded by a most violent headache prolonged nausea and a sleepless night crowded with waking nightmare it is hardly necessary to add that i did not repeat the experiment and though for some time to persisted in telling me that i had not given the drug a fair trial he finally dropped the subject but it is probable that my inability to partake of his favourite pleasure was to him another proof of the decided inferiority of the european End of chapter seven part one